And we are back with another how-to business show. Today, we host Mr. Andy Bleeden. Andy is an innovator, real estate magnate, and community advocate. He's the man behind the Butchertown Market here in Louisville, Kentucky, and is the CEO of Jake Land, a real estate development company with significant holdings in the area. Andy has this undeniable passion for revitalizing and restoring real estate and has a special knack for trusting his gut. He's been bestowed with numerous accolades and dubbed by the community as the mayor of Butchertown. Andy offers a unique win-win perspective on the world of real estate and business that benefits everybody involved. So we break down this philosophy and plenty of other good stuff. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Thank you for coming on. We, uh, we're been wanting to talk to you since you're our neighbor and we know that you're the uh self well i guess not self-proclaimed no. but you are the mayor of butcher not town self-proclaimed yeah so yeah. how did you get that title we can start there was that something you uh you've made a joke and then someone no, just no. stuck like so i don't want to be mayor <laughs> like i couldn't run for mayor i couldn't get elected like dog catcher <laughs> like seriously so people come up to me and they'll say i don't know people have been saying oh like you know, you're the mayor of Butchertown, the mayor of Butchertown, the mayor of Butchertown, and everybody, like, kept saying it. And, like, some people want nicknames. I don't necessarily want nicknames. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I, I'm good without the nicknames yeah. and stuff, but people, like, say it, and it's like, so I always have to be like, hey, man, I couldn't get elected to office. and But uh, I do like that they know I love Butchertown enough to where they're like, oh, you know, I want to put Butchertown first and do whatever I can to help make it a better community and a better place to like hang out and do business and have fun and work and stuff. So, um, you know, one of the big things is like, you know, guys your age, uh, getting them into the uh, neighborhood and we've had a lot of success getting people in from out of town, you know, getting their offices here because a lot of the you know, 20s and 30s want to work in Butchertown and Nulu. So that's been something that's been a benefit. But yeah, Mayor of Butchertown, you know, somebody got me a hat that said Baron of Butchertown. I mean, you <laughs> know, it's cool. all funny stuff. I mean, it's good stuff. I absolutely love Louisville and I absolutely love Butchertown and Butchertown is in my DNA and stuff. And so now I'm fully invested. So when people say that, I'm, I, you know, it's good, but like, I don't want to be the guy that comes up with my own nicknames. You know, yeah. that, that, that shows that you're really struggling. Well, like, I mean, it's definitely whenever you ask someone about Andy Bleeding, oh, yeah, Mayor Butchertown. But it kind of it takes me back. I remember reading a quote one time. It was like, the best leaders don't want to lead or aren't looking to be in a position like that. So I yeah. think it kind of speaks. I mean, you've definitely had an impact and you want to do good here. And I think you kind of just grew into the title by accident yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I'll take it. You know, you sort of like a river runs its course, right? I mean, you've got to just, you know, go where gravity takes you and go where, you know, the natural flow takes you. Go with the flow. Yeah. That's so what we'll, you got to do. What brought you? What I just of, coined that one. <laughs> go with the flow. That's a good one. <laughs> so like out of all the different parts of Louisville, what brought you and you mentioned your DNA was kind of in Butchertown. What, you want to explain that a little bit more? You know, I think that, uh, you know, everybody always talks about in real estate how important location is. So um, 
Growing up here, I just always had an innate love for Butchertown. I'm not exactly sure even why. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, I just always did. And so uh, I have, I started my career, a uh, fellow by the name of Jim Carp uh, hired me. And he's done, he's had unbelievable success. Like, and, you know, he was my mentor, but he hates when I tell people he was my mentor. He's like, don't tell people I was your mentor, you know. But um, hopefully that's a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, but the guy's a brilliant guy, and he's a brilliant real estate guy, and he's a brilliant businessman. And so he built uh, RX Crossroads and sold it. And then later they started Farm Accord. So two really big, successful companies. Well, he had 1.2 million square feet of industrial real estate in Jeffersonville that was the old Seagram's. Um, it was the uh, it was the Army Depot. It was like a quartermaster depot. And it was like um, a bunch of 40,000 square foot buildings made out of brick. And um, they and Seagram's had owned it, and they used it to age bourbon. So you'd walk into these buildings, and I mean, it, it would knock you down. Yeah, because there'd be all the bourbon in these, you know, kind of fourteen foot ceiling warehouses. Anyway, <clears throat> he, I, I was graduating from college. He, at the same time, was working with a guy named Steve Galt, who. Uh, is a great real estate guy here locally, and he's a legend. And he brokered the deal, and that was my first project. And he called it America Place. America and now America Place has, like, expanded and been really successful. And so that's – and we were 100% leased in, like, 24 months. And what year was that? That was 1984. 84. And so uh, – I got the thing leased out. I didn't necessarily make the best deals. He'd be like, what would you just do? You know? <laughs> He'd be like, why are you doing it so cheap? But uh, my goal has always been, you know, trying to fill space up and get some cash flow. You know, a lot of other people have a philosophy where they're like, okay, you know, we have a great location. We're going to ask more money and our break even is going to be 60%. You know, my break even will be 85 or 90% least so it's just you know i like the action i like getting people in there i think good things happen when real estate is filled up and you will have problems if real estate is not filled up yeah it gets stigmatized very quickly right and then you know you know you can have problems i mean if somebody's not there all the time bad things can happen to your real estate and was this uh, real estate, you said it was industrial, so is it warehousing? Okay, just a, and what kind of tenants were you finding for that space? So, a lot, you know, industrial tenants, we had a, uh, a company that manufactured glass fixtures for retail companies. Okay. So they would have their glass fabrication there. We had, they were called Moog. We had Clark Checks. And they took like 160,000 square feet. And it was their check manufacturing plant. So when you call in and say, hey, I want these checks made out to my name and stuff, that's actually where they'd make it because it was a great location. You know, the location of the 
buildings was fantastic. And then we had a huge like shoe distribution company. Huh. And Zappos. it was actually called Champion. And the guy's name's Mike Bernard that owned it. And he started in like 10,000 square feet and he ended up growing to like 100,000 square feet. And he called, he said, he'd be like, Good morning, champion. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? <laughs> Greatest day of my life. I mean, he'd just go off, and he was great. You know, we'd see him, and he'd say, there was one time we were next to, we had him next to a corn storage place. The government was like, just had like 80,000 square feet of just overrun of corn that they couldn't throw away, so... We walked into his office one day. He's like, I have a problem, champion. Come on in. And so I went with Jim, my boss, and the guy had a Ziploc bag, and it was full of bugs. And he, like, dumped them on the, his desk. And he's like, do you know what these are? <laughs> like, looks like bugs. It's bad. Bad you got bugs. He's like, that's from the corn next door. And we're like, okay, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about the bugs. He's like, that's a bow weevil. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what a bow weevil looks like. It was bad. So, so, and then there was another guy who had, um, he had a uh, supply. He did like insulation supply. Uh before they would like be blowing insulation it was just flat insulation and he called me in his office with my boss and he's like I think something's wrong with the water line so he oh you know he opened up the faucet and like some it was definitely brown and there was like stuff floating in it so I took a glass and filled it up and I said and there was like stuff like floating in it and I chugged the whole thing. And so Jim goes, see, it's fine. It's fine. And I said, it's just in, in the line. There's no problem. And the guy goes, oh, okay. Well, okay, great. And I walked out and Jim like goes, what? you're an idiot. He's like, why did you drink that? And it's just the commitment, whatever it takes, right, yeah. to make it okay with the tenant. But he's like, you're an idiot. Like, that was stupid. It's like Ozzy Osbourne taking the bat's head off. <laughs> kind of. I mean, sort of along the line of commitment, at least. Did you get sick? I mean, how'd you feel after that? Uh, <laughs> you know, I have an iron constitution. Like, I was fine. I, maybe his water was fine after all. Uh -huh. But it looked like lead flakes were floating in it. And see, I had there was a guy that owned, like, a Chinese food company called, like, Le Choy or something. And, you know, I love reading about these business leaders. And he opened one of his cans of food, and there was a grasshopper on the top. It was like crazy, one in a 10 million kind of thing. So he, and he was with customers, so before they could see it, he took a spoon and ate the grasshopper. And so that always stuck with me. Yeah. That, you know, that freak show ate a grasshopper. <laughs> Like, so I can drink some lead. There you go. A little lead never <laughs> hurt anybody, I don't think. I'm willing to commit to doing that. So that was at America Place and stuff. And so it's like, because you deal with problems every single day in real estate. Oh, yeah. If you're in real estate and you don't have problems, you're not in real estate. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's kind of a small world because Dylan and I 
came across Jim Carp the other year. Um, I think a property he actually forgot about. Uh, it was owned by one of his companies, um, and it was going to the land bank for foreclosure. So one of them had already just been foreclosed on, completely forgot about it. We reached out to him, got in touch with Taylor King, ended up working out a deal on that piece of land. But like you said, comes with a lot of problems. This is vacant land in the West End, sometimes gets dumped on. Yeah, that's right. It was probably by 10th and Hill. Yeah, it is exactly where it was. Yeah, so, yeah, we, yeah, so he would, he would, so anyway, I did a bunch of his stuff. It is not like him to forget about anything, it, right? It was such a tiny little I know, half I know. Shock hey, listen, I get it, but it's still, that is unlike him. That's wow. not how he rolls. Like, he has, but he's, you know, right now I think Pharmacord has a thousand jobs, Right, so this is a guy that's created thousands and thousands of jobs and pumped so much money into the economy and has been so vital for the Louisville area as far as, because the reason why his companies are headquartered here is because he's here and he wants to make Louisville better. And, you know, that, that commitment continues. Yeah, I love Louisville. I'm a big fan and I'm, I've always curious, like, is there been any other markets you've wanted to go to? What made you want to stay in Louisville versus chasing, you know, real estate in Nashville, New York, or some of these hotter markets, so to say? So it's funny, you know, my brother Mark has Caden Real Estate. And so he will, he develops all over the country. Like Home Depot has come to him and Costco and Chick-fil-A because he's really well thought of. And they'll say, hey, we want to open... So he'll broker deals across the country. Uh, and he's, I think, heavy in Miami and stuff, super successful. And uh, and that's just, you know, he can do that. It's like what his appetite for. Like me, a huge move is like going from Butchertown to Shelby Park, right? Because I want to be able to throw a blanket over my stuff. To me, management's the key. And so... Um, and then, you know, a rising tide lifts, lifts all boats. So, the you know, so I've focused on Butchertown because the more development I do in Butchertown, the better it is for the stuff I own in Butchertown already. And then, you know, when we get to the end of this, I'll tell you my real estate secret. Okay. That if you follow it, I 100% guarantee you will have success in real estate. Like, who else can say that? Like, has anybody ever come on here and given you a guarantee like that? No. And it's 100% foolproof. It's guaranteed. So we'll circle back around. Don't let me forget to tell you. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, so it sounds like your brother, he does more of the brand new builds. Does he buy a lot of vacant land and develop? Is that kind of how he does his deals? or He, you know. Because I know on your website it said you do a lot of um, adaptive reuse and, right. and redevelopment. So. Do you ever buy vacant piece of land and start from scratch or are you more focused on an so old building and making I, I, it new? I, you know, I think everything for me is opportunity. So it's whatever opportunities present themselves. I think, you know, I like to, all, I always like to say I have something my brother will never have. A wealthy brother. <laughs> <laughs> no. he And, you know, he's a great person to have as a sounding board and, 
He's been so successful. You can't be more successful than him. So I've been surrounded by guys like Jim Carp and Mark Bleeden and Steve Galt and these guys who are brilliant at real estate. And it makes a huge difference when you're doing stuff to have that level of expertise where I can call them up and say, you know, my brother's like, well, you're not going to listen to me anyway. And I'm like, I know, but you know, I love talking to you. It's, you know, I love your mom and dad. <laughs> so, so, so I, for me, everything is a hundred percent opportunity. Like what opportunities are presenting themselves and what can we do to max that out? And also I want to have some sort of quality of life. You know, I don't want to be a slave to just working, just trying to make as much money as I can make uh, and, uh, you know, have that be my metric that I measure my life by. That being said, I'd like to buy an island. You know, <laughs> but really, there has to be quality of life. So for me, it had to be the marriage of doing thoughtful development and, um, and also doing something that economically is a good investment and makes sense and is going to be something that produces equity and then do something that's great for the community. You know, build these companies that people are going to want to go to and support because that creates jobs. And so I always, you know, a lot of these buildings I bought, you know, I bought the Butchertown Market Building. Well, it started out as the um, National Leather Company and then leather National Leather and Tanning Company. And then it became the Magic Flake Soap Factory. And then it became the Lampton Paint Company. And then it became... Caudel Seed, and I bought it from Caudel Seed. So it was built in 1880, and I'm the fifth owner. It hadn't been for sale since 1948, okay? So think about that. 1948, and I bought it, you know, 20... Uh, I bought it in maybe 98. So, you know, 25 years ago. So when... These type of buildings come available, you like got to jump on it. I think you have to jump on it. And also, you know, one of the secrets is I bought that building cheap and, you know, ran the numbers. What would it take to build that building the way it's built now? And it's like I bought it for like 11 cents on the dollar if I was going to replicate it. But, you know, it's, you know, I mean, I, I like to say this story about that building. You know, that building came up, and I fell in love with it. And my dad passed away 10 years ago, but he's the pa patriarch of the family, and he started the real estate, and he taught us real estate. And so I called him up, and I said, hey, I found this building. And he said, well, tell me about it, because I would run all my deals by my dad. And although he, and I keep going off on these tangents, <laughs> Yeah, when I was 21, he said, you want to come work for the family company? And I said, are, are you going to tell me what to do? And he's like, yeah, idiot. I own the company. Like, yeah, I'm going to. And I'm like, man, you've been telling me what to do my whole life. I love you. I can't handle it. He's like, good, because your mom made me ask if you wanted to work for me. And I'm like, okay, you didn't have to say that part. <laughs> but we, were, I think we were just too much alike, you know, and... I have a lot of type A's in my family. So everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks their ideas are the best. 
not, you know, it's just how we're wired. I mean, and, you know, we go for stuff. So you can't have two captains of the ship necessarily. But so anyway, I called him up and I said, hey, um, found this building. And he's like, how big is it? And I said, 85,000 square feet. And he says, uh, how much parking does it have? I said, it has eight spots. He's like, okay. He's like, how are the windows? I said, it needs 400 new windows. He's like, how's the heating and air? I said, it doesn't have heating and air. Because this was from Caudel Seed. Uh, he says, what else? I said, it's across the street from a pig slaughterhouse. He said, have you already bought it? And I said, yes. And he goes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I said, well, what would you have said, you know, if I hadn't told you I bought it? He's like, it's water under the bridge. It doesn't matter. He's like, let's make it work. You know, so, I mean, and that's really, and not one person said, you know, necessarily this is a good idea. Other than I was working with Steve Galt again, and he's like, and so we were looking at Butchertown, and we were looking at, like, Algonquin Parkway. Those were the two places. And he's like, you got to go with Butchertown. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, like, not even close now, but back then, you know. It was Those were comparable back then? Well, I could have gotten a building for next to nothing. Okay. So Okay. But, you know, that ne- – wouldn't have necessarily just because somebody gives you a building for free doesn't mean you should take it. Right. 100%. Right. So, I mean, it's like, so I was offered like basically a free building or this was going to, you know, cost some money. And those decisions change the trajectory of your life. Right. Yeah. And, you know, also we were hopefully able to, you know, get a movement started in Butchertown by doing, the market. So, um, yeah, so that was hopefully the beginning of, you know, where the neighborhood started turning around. Yeah. So that was the entry for you into Butchertown? Yeah. And then could you talk a little bit about some of the projects and development that you've done since then and the evolution you've seen this part of town take since then? Again, it, it comes back to opportunity. So you have to be in a position, I think, where, you know, I'm a big believer in not suffering from analysis paralysis. You know, I gave a, you know, whenever I'm asked to speak at stuff, it kind of blows my mind. It just does because I'm kind of an irreverent guy. And uh, I'm not your traditional business person. And so I spoke with Gil Holland at uh, a city of Louisville presentations and stuff and Gil Holland, you know, he did Nulu and he's doing Portland and he does a bunch of things and he's a great guy and a, uh, a definite leader in the community and a mover and a shaker. And, uh, and I like followed him, which you don't necessarily want to follow Gil Holland. Like he's a really smart guy who has a great presentation, but so I did my presentation and stuff and I don't really do um, the uh, metrics that a lot of real estate people do. You know, I'm not great at ratios and I don't necessarily do return on investment and stuff. And my budget is just, I have a budget, but 
I just have it to see how much over it I go. <laughs> right. I mean, so there's a bunch of things and I'm like, and I just go for stuff. If something feels right and I can do it, I'll go for it. So I'm the least technical guy you've met. So afterwards, somebody from a large bank came up to me and said, we want to do business with you. And I said, oh, did you just get here? Did you miss the presentation? Like, <laughs> did you not hear? And she's like, you know, uh, you know, I like that you're not traditional and you've been successful. So uh, if you're doing everything like everybody else, what differentiates you? What makes you beat your competition? You know, so, uh, and then all of those ratios and stuff, this could be, I might just be full of crap and I believe my full of crapness, but all that stuff takes time, you know? So I'm, you know, a little bit of a lean, mean fighting machine because I, I just go to the meat, just the heart and stuff. And it's like a simple deal. It's like, you get tenants and you cash flow stuff and you try to put less money into it, but you have to be committed to quality. So I try to do the best tenant improvements I can possibly afford. The best. And it doesn't make sense on an ROI necessarily, but somehow magically, if you do it in the right neighborhood, it works. It's wild. I mean, it is. But you also have to be freaking incredibly lucky. You do. But luck's when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. Luck is also, you know, having stuff you never dreamed would happen, happen. Not in your top 10,000 things. Right. Right. Or getting, you know, getting a tenant, you know, I got a tenant that started in a thousand square feet. He's in 22,000 square feet now. So that just happens to be the right tenant. That's Bourbon Barrel Foods. The guys at Microbrew Soy Sauce. It's the right tenant in the right building where I can accommodate his growth. He's a good guy, and he's willing to work with me. So, you know, he's gone from 1,000 square feet to 2,000 square feet to 6,000 square feet to 10,000 square feet to 15,000 square feet to 22,000 square feet. So every time I have a tenant move out, I'll go to him and if it's adjacent property and I'll say, you know, adjacent in the building, I'll say, Hey, do you want this? And he'll go, yeah. And so we've been able to incubate him where you couldn't, that's a hard thing to plan for, right? In two years, you're going to grow this much and four years, you're going to grow this much and eight years, you're going to grow this much and then you don't have to leave. So, you know, that's something I didn't plan. I mean, I had, you know, I had the right setup for it, and I, that's happened with, like, probably 30% of my tenants. 40% of my tenants have grown like that. Is I mean, that's something you're obviously aware of now, but was there any forethought into, okay, I'm obviously looking for quality tenants, but how can I position this in a more of a partnership way to where as your business succeeds, I succeed too? Do you take a look at um, how you can help the businesses you're working with be more successful as the landlord or are you more so just, you know, getting them in, write the check. Churn and on. burn. It. Yeah. I'm not your churn and burn guy. Okay. I'm not taking checks and breaking necks. <laughs> That's not my deal. 
No, I am partners with every company I do business with and whether they realize it or not. So I know their vitals. And in some instances, I've known it better than they do. I'm like, man, this company's hitting the wall. Like I saw it. I mean, you can see stuff. So I'll tell my tenants, look, you might not realize this, but we are business partners. I have an interest in your business and you have an interest in mine. I have an interest in your success or failure and you have the same in mine. So really, I'm a talent scout. That's really what I do. So like I will identify tenants and I've identified tenants that didn't have money, but had unbelievable talent and set them up when they couldn't get money from banks and stuff. It's like Laurie Beck and Tyler at the Holy Grail in the Grail house, like great company, great operators, you know, they came to me when they were first starting out. They had the Louisville Beer Store, and we did uh, the Holy Grail together. And then the Grail House came available. Like, how great are those properties? Awesome properties. They're icons. <clears throat> and so if you can create an icon. And so basically what I do, it's like, you know, it worked the metal. Jack Mathis started work the metal, and he's my business partner. It takes a visionary to say, this is what we want to do. You know, Work the Metal started in 400 square feet and has 15,000 square feet now. I think we're one of the largest retailers in Kentucky that's privately held. And so you get these people like Laurie and Tyler or uh, Jack, and what I do is I just make their dreams come true. It's like what's, what's the dream, and then how do we execute the real estate to be what they want it to be. So, and you got to have great real estate, you know. You can't just have something homogenous or boring or soulless. It doesn't work for the stuff I do. And looking back at the pandemic, Andy, there was a tremendous amount of stress put on small businesses specifically. And you would just confirm what I had read that you keep in very close contact with your tenants. You like to be face-to-face. So do you have any conversations that stick out to you looking back on those times that you had with these small business owners? Uh, God, it was such a crazy time. I mean, it was just brutal, you know. Um, It was just brutal. I mean, work the metal, you know, we had 17 years of compounded growth. And all of a sudden you know, our sales just tanked. Um, You just have to be flexible. And, um, you know, we were able to restructure how we did the lease uh, to where it was a percentage of the rent. So that when sales were $3,000 a month, you know, which is like nothing. Or, you know, I mean, then, you know, they don't go out of business. So, or they don't have unnecessary strain. You know, work the metal was never going to go out of business, but it could, you know, wipe out a lot of years of positive growth. I mean, so I just think, I mean, it was just, you know, it was just bad. I mean, 
it was just a terrible time and small companies were getting squashed. So there was a lot of, you know, can you hold off on rent or, you know, can we, you know, what can we do? I mean, so you just got to be flexible and, you know, and I have great relationships with my banks and stuff, but you know, the banks aren't going to be like, Hey, you don't have to pay us this month. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You know, it's not like that. I mean, you know, I still, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I still leverage my real estate. So, um, so anyway, it's a lot of moving parts. I mean, and you just got to be, um, you know, just try to be, I'm just kind of wired that I want people to succeed and I love people and uh, I want everybody to win. So I'm pulling for everybody. So I'm going to be like, I want to help people and I want to be a nice guy. It's just the deal. Yeah. And I like that you brought up that your tenants, you look at them as partners and, you know, you have interests in each other's businesses because I think it's very easy in real estate, whether it's residential or commercial for the tenants and the landlords to kind of have a versus. It's like tenants and landlords aren't always on the same team. They can have a lot of back and forth. When you got into real estate, was there a moment where you realized it's better to work with the tenant than against the tenant. And maybe there was an instance where you realized the benefit of collaborating with businesses to create real estate rather than just building cookie cutter businesses or buildings that, you know, businesses aren't in love with. Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, you know, you can't change the spots on a leopard. I mean, I'm just wired the way I'm wired. Like I'm the way I am. And it's like, it's just how I am. It's like, I want, everyone to succeed. I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. Now, if that being said, like if you take advantage of me or stab me in the back or do something like that, there are going to be consequences and they're going to be swift and they'll be severe. But, you know, also, again, that being said, I don't want to be in a business where I'm against somebody, where it's, you know, a win-lose situation. It's just not how I'm built. It's just not my it's just not my deal. So I couldn't imagine doing that. So I have to be in a business where we're working together. And, you know, it's like to be uh, the nicest landlord, not a whole lot of people are shooting for that title. You know, I just, you know, I've had people who've like leased for me and then they'll go somewhere else. And I was their first tenant and they're like, I had no idea. Like I thought, you know, I had no idea. Because, I mean, it's kind of brutal out there. Um, so, I, and it's not like, again, it's, I love, I want my tenants to make a bunch of money. Like, I want them to be successful. Uh, it's better on so many different levels. And right now, you know, I'm to the point where um, I sort of, I have a waiting list for people wanting to get in and it's taken a long time to build it. And, you know, it, it, I have a bunch of tenants and nobody is late on rent, which makes my life easier because I'm not after people saying, why haven't you paid and what's going on? And so, so the vast majority of my tenants want to see me successful, want me to get a fair return on my investment, appreciate, sort of the extras we do. Um, 
so it's just, I just am not built that way to be like a tough guy or to be hardcore. And, you know, there's a lot of people that leverage that, that are like that. And it's just a different language to me. It's just foreign to me. Yeah. Do, do you know all of your tenants? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. No, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not that hard. It's like I have like 34 tenants. 30. That's a lot of people still. Eh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, again, it's like, I, it's my, that's the main part of my business. Yeah. So when I give tours of the building and stuff, I know everybody. They're like, oh, great. Andy's in our space again. You know, I'm grabbing snacks. Uh, but that's how, you know, that's how you know what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't imagine not knowing a tenant. Like, I'm not going to sign a lease unless I know them and vet them. That, yeah. I, f- I feel like there's a ton of real estate investors who probably couldn't even name five of their tenants if they had a hundred of them. It just. Uh, yeah, that's mind boggling to me. But, uh, but. I'm a freak show. Like I, I am just, I'm just wired different. That's the thing. It's like, I just feel like if you, for me, I have to be who and what I am. So, and people that you gotta be, I have to be true to myself. So it's like, it's more than just a job. You know, it's a philosophy of life. And it's like, you know, I go back to people like Jim or Steve or my brother Mark, you know, you have to have this strong belief system in, you know, what you want to accomplish in life. And if it's just making money, you're going to be a sad guy. Uh, It has to be bigger and you have to be given something back. Uh, Or, um, you know, there's no end it's just the journey it's just you know there's just no end so if you're looking for like I'm never going to retire like I'm not I don't know what I'd retire from (laughs) you know people say how was your weekend well kind of like my week (laughs) (laughs) you know so I think but that's just me I mean there are other people you know most jobs are really like most jobs are really hard. Like I couldn't do the majority of jobs. You know, I have, you know, um, my ex is a principal at a school and she does unbelievable work with kids. She should be making more money than me. Right. I mean, cause the work she does is vital and it's for these little kids and that are, you know, coming from tough circumstances and stuff. I just do real estate. Uh, but you know, we all can do good in our positions and stuff. And you got to deal with the equity of the situation and not what you want it to be. No, that's awesome. We definitely share that philosophy and talk like, how can we position ourselves in our work to be able to do this until we're well beyond 80? Definitely have this. I hate the word retirement. I don't think people should like strive to one day just do nothing like that defeats the purpose of living anyway getting back to you talking about your true authentic self where do you think that 
kind of came from and diving into your childhood a little bit. What was your family dynamic like growing up? Well, you didn't want to get caught in a Monopoly game because <laughs> it was like full contact. <laughs> you know, just really lucky, just growing up with a strong faith and, um, you know, having good uh, moral compass set by my parents and uh, being very competitive. Um, and, uh, you know, we played soccer. I played soccer for... You know, I went to Central High School. I was bus there, and um, I was going to Ballard, uh, and the Ballard coach wouldn't let me come out for soccer. And he was hardshipping guys that he wanted to keep on the team from going to Central, okay? <clears throat> Which was illegal. Illegal. <laughs> I don't know if the statutes of limitation has run out from 1978. But anyway, so this coach, he's like, you're not good enough to hardship. But I wouldn't have wanted to hardship with him anyway. But I volunteered a year early over to Central High School, which is where Ali went. And um, it was just unbelievably great uh, going over there. So I was a sophomore, and I made the team, and I started – and our first game was against Ballard. Coach, Coach Baker's the guy's name. If you're listening to this, Baker, I'm still after you. <laughs> so uh, I, I start the game. Sophomore, my first high school goal is against Ballard. So I score the goal, and I run up on the sidelines. And I get up in Coach Baker's face, and I'm like, not good enough to hardship. <laughs> and he goes, you're down 7-1. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, down 7-1. So anyway, that was hilarious. <laughs> but I like getting into a little bit more about like what makes you tick. And you had said, you know, if you're just after money, you're going to be a sad guy. Which, I think, well, you might be. <laughs> well, I know what you mean Depends exactly. Depends on the it's, amount of money. Right? Money's sad a means to an end, though. From, an from from yeah. no matter what money is a means to an end, just having a lot of money, it doesn't matter, right? You have to do something with it. But when it comes to development and redevelopment, right, these projects, they have to make money. They have to make sense financially. But you had brought it up earlier, the other side of that coin, which is thoughtful development. What is this going to do to the community? So my question is, what are those metrics that you measure yourself on, whether it be Butcher Town or just any project that make you think I am doing a good job beyond the money? I am doing a good work for this community. Yeah, I, I, again, it's like, um, for example, Hadley Pottery. You know, Brooke Smith didn't want to see Hadley Pottery go out of business. And so he, you know, Greg Rockman had approached Brooke about Hadley. Uh, Greg's a great real estate guy. I had set up a meeting to talk to Brooke about a project. And Brooke's a great philanthropist and a great business owner and entrepreneur and just a great guy. And he, um, he was approached. And then I set up a meeting to talk to him about a deal I was interested in working with him on. And he ended up saying, Hey, let's do Hadley together. And, you know, and I don't work with anybody. Like I, I'm a hundred percent by myself on all my ownership of all my real estate. 
And it makes my life way simpler. Because when I screw up, I'm not taking anybody down with me. And I make decisions that our partners would go, what are you like? Really? What did you hit your head with? Do you have a blunt trauma injury? Like, did you accidentally fall in some crack? <laughs> you know, cause I just do wacky stuff. I mean, I will make decisions that you go, there's no way you're going to make your money back. And I kind of tell you, it's crazy. Somehow magically it works. And so anyway, so Brooke and I sort of share the same philosophy and, and so he allowed me, you know, we were pulled into this project and it's been a great project because we saved the pottery company and we're, we cleaned up the real estate, which hadn't been cleaned up in 40 years. And, uh, again, it's another, uh, uh, project in Butchertown that went from an eyesore to something that's going to be really substantial. Um, again, it's an opportunity. Um, I think, I don't, uh, I think you just always in the back of your mind, hey, you know, I love taking properties that are really run down and really in gross disrepair in a good location and fixing them up. Uh, and it's like a blast, but it takes a lot of money. And that's the thing, you know, real estate is really hard. And um, that's the other thing. I see people popping into real estate, and I'm like, man, they're putting their arm, arm in a wood chipper. They have no clue. Um, you know, one of the things that happened with Butcher Block. So the Butchertown market is like my mall. And so on Butcher Block, a guy came to me, and he said, and he had bought like nine buildings on East Main, and... Uh, and just a Bruce McCann, just a great guy, a UPS engine mechanic. And he did UPS engine mechanic and then real estate. And so he came to me and he said, hey, I bought these nine buildings and, you know, they were super rough. They were shotguns, but they were all contiguous. And he said... <laughs> You're the mayor of Butchertown. I'm like, what? Uh, will you talk to me? And, you know, I try to talk to anybody because you just never know. You just don't judge a book by its cover, right? You never know where the opportunities are. So anyway, and I got time. So I said, um, sure. You know, and he sat down and we, I think we talked for two hours. And when he left, I was talking to my partner and he said, how was that meeting? And I said, thank God it is him and not me. Thank God I don't own those because it is such a huge project and it's going to be so hard to turn those buildings around. But his dream was to fix them up. Well, a year later, he came back to me and he said, will you buy these from me? Because I don't have the wherewithal or the energy or the capital to do what I want to do. And I think you can do it. And so I'm like, man, you know, you can really probably split them up and make some money. And he's like, no, my dream is to see him turned around and I love what you do. So I want you to do it. And, you know, I'll sell it to you for what I have in it and what I put in it. And I'm like, okay. 
Sounds great. So, you know, that has become, so that's where Fabalu is and cultured and Big Need is Cheesecake and Forme Millinery and uh, Jacqueline Journey Interior Design and uh, Butcher Block Chop Shop, you know, the uh, barber shop. And that became, but it took <clears throat> a lot of, it was hard turning around, but I was able again to get in at the right price and be able to turn it around and sort of, that's, that's our strip center, which is fun to do. But if Bruce doesn't come to me and if Bruce, Bruce is greedy or not community minded, and you know, the, then that doesn't happen. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you know, um, that's, you know, that's just an in- instance where you just talk to people. Now I've talked to people that were whacked, like crazy, um, talking about doing stuff. And I'm like, they got no shot, you know? And, you know, I also talk to people and I say, you are crazy if you do this. This is like bad. This is like pogo sticking in a minefield. <laughs> like you can maybe get a couple jumps off and then you're going to blow up and die. And they don't listen to me, which I respect because I don't listen to people. <laughs> so it's like, what, I'm going to criticize them for not listening to the expert, you know? Because so, but I'm normally right <laughs> on that. When you mentioned, I liked when you said you make wacky decisions that people would question you on. In those moments, do you feel like they're wacky decisions or is it just people telling you they're wacky decisions? No. They don't. I don't have like, I, I don't, when I do the wacky stuff, it's not like I call the board of directors together so they can like, you know, abuse me. <laughs> right? <clears throat> no, it's just, I mean, it's just stuff where mostly it's like taking chances. You know, taking chances on a tenant that doesn't have any money but has a dream or taking a chance on really improving a building to where your payback on rent is 48 months where you break even. Like, nobody would do that. But I'll do it. I hope my bank doesn't listen to this, (laughs) come to think of it. The thing is I've built up enough, you know, we we have enough successful pieces of real estate that I look at my situation globally so that, uh, you know, if I take it on an individual building-by-building basis or deal-by-deal basis, it's different. But if I look globally, I can cover really improving some real estate even though it doesn't necessarily make sense for that individual deal. So there's a method, you know, it's not like I don't have the cash flow going to cover stuff. And then, you know, time is real estate's best friend. So like you guys, if you start buying now, even if you make a bad buy in 10 years, it'll be erased. If, you know, if you buy, okay. So, Time is real estate's best friend. Uh, you can get rich by buying and flipping, and you can get wealthy by buying and holding. 
And then my brother always says, good things happen to good real estate and bad things happen to bad real estate, which is like genius. It is. So, you know, he'll go in and he'll buy a premium piece of property and people will say, you way overpaid for that. And then, you know, he'll flip it in two years and make 40%. Like, it's wild. But you have to be able to, you know, eat what you kill. Trust your gut. Yeah, I'm a big trust your gut guy. Big time. Like, I'm an instincts guy. For but sure. Would you say some of the maybe worst decisions you made were not trusting your gut? What's uh, the worst deal you've come across that you have you would take back? Um, <laughs> you know, I bought a building for my first ex-wife. She was in catering. And uh, I'll just say this. I have no regrets, right? I've done some bad deals. I've, you know, I've had a business bankrupted, so which was, like, horrible. Um, but I, there's nothing, you know, that I regret. Because everything I did, I learned from. Like the failures are some of the most important parts of the journey because A, it teaches you you can somehow survive and B, it teaches you, you know, that the stove's hot. Mm -hmm. like let's not lick the stove, you know? So <clears throat> I bought a building for my first ex-wife and she's a great chef and it's Divinity Catering, which is next to Veronese. So... I said, hey, here's a deal. You know, we own the building. I'm going to charge you a thousand bucks a month rent. And she's like, that's, I'm not paying it. And I'm like, yeah, you are because, you know, this is a smart way to do it and we can depreciate the building. And, you know, you don't understand all the nuances, but trust me, this is how we need to do it. And she's like, that's too much in rent. And I'm like, you're missing the point, you know? Uh, this is what we need to charge in rent. And so she says, well, you can screw me on the rent or screw me in the bedroom, but not both. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll take the rent. Because <laughs> I knew I'd get the rent. That's probably a bad story. <laughs> no, that was a good one. one of the best ones I've heard on the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, and then we got divorced. <laughs> it's probably you got so a the, new real tenant estate, in there. the real estate wasn't the problem in that in the deal. That, that turned just out a bad fine. tenant. It sounded like, yeah. <laughs> nah, bad landlord in that case. I'll take the blame on that. <laughs> that is wild. She's yeah. not taking the fall. That's hilarious. No, um, yeah, no. I, so I think you know we all have our, you know we all have our. I mean, we all. If you don't have problems, like, then you aren't out there trying and swinging. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I just think, <clears throat> you know, there was like, there were some close calls I had. Um, but um, again, I think you kind of reap what you sow. You know, if your heart's in the right place and you're honest, you know, it blows my mind that there are people that'll lie. Mm. And, I, and they're out there and they do it. And it's like, it's just not, I mean, it's not the... To me, it's never right to lie. 
in business and they'll say, oh, it's strategic or I don't want people to know what I'm doing. I'm like, then come up with a different way of not telling people, right? But, you know, we're working on a deal and other people, you know, have said they're not going for this piece of property and they're going for the piece of property and they lie to your face. And it's like, that to me is, that doesn't compute with me. You know, I don't see how people do that. And maybe I'm just like totally naive, you know, but that's not, I don't, I think that's absolutely wrong. How do you go about facing issues like that? Well, I mean, I look at a guy like, again, like Mark or Jim or Steve, and those guys never lie. They never lie. I mean, there's just other, there's right ways to do it. But, you know, maybe it's just, it's so easy to say, to lie and, you know, manipulate and stuff. So, but, you know, nobody in my companies, that's not how we roll. So that's 100% wrong 100% of the time. Don't lie, listeners. <laughs> Tell the truth. What projects are you working on right now that you're most excited about? I am working on a really cool bar concept uh, in Butchertown. It's going to okay. be like awesome. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's it really is. Again, great concept. It's not happening in the city. Absolute right operators, right location. Did the real estate that this bar is going to go into come first or did the concept come first? The real estate came first. Okay. So, it, yeah. So when you approach a deal like this, you find a good opportunity for real estate, then is it, okay, now I need to find what's going to utilize this real estate and you just go and start talking to cool business owners, you know, how does that look? I think, um, everything's timing. Uh, it's easier to lease a product if you have the product. It's hard, you know, I've had people come to me and say, hey, find me a building. That's not my, you know, what I try to do, I try to stay 100% leased, so it's hard getting new tenants. But you normally have 10 to 20% turnover. So I'm always hustling to try to fill up, you know, what is vacant and open. And we had a piece of property that I had leased out to get, a conditional use permit on because a tenant wanted to turn it into an Airbnb and we got turned down. And so now um, it's going to be a much better deal in every way. So again, I go back to, I was, I don't like losing. So when we went for the CUP and got rejected, it like was a bad day. And, but that being said, uh, it turned out to be great. And that happens a lot. So, you know, don't put a period where a comma should go. God, that sounds stupid. But no, well, we, sense. yeah, we say uh, you win some. Yeah, that's yeah. even when you lose. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. you just got to let the rest of it play out. Exactly. Because, I mean, I don't know, growing up, I was really competitive and at one time, was you know the you win some you lose some and I was just like 
But every time I've lost, like just thinking back as a little kid, like every time I lost, it it gave me that extra piece of hunger I needed because I wrestled. So it was very one on one. And every time I lost, it was all on you. And you're like, okay, well now I know not to do this. You win some. Right. That's all it is. Right. No, you're psycho if you wrestle. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously, wrestling is like. Yeah, we should have told you he was a psycho. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. Uh (laughs) I mean, it's. It is a weird sport. I definitely hated the South Park episode where they just call wrestling gay the whole time. But, um, that's been something people have roasted me on for it. But it is a great sport in terms of just it really teaches you a lot about when you lose because it's just all on you. It's you versus one other sure. guy. So any other sport, it's very easy to say, oh, we won as a team or we lost as a team. But in wrestling, no. you're the one who won or you're the one who lost. Yeah, here's Period. the deal. Wrestling physically is the hardest thing I've ever done. You wrestled? Yeah. Like, I went out because my soccer coach was our, our wrestling coach. And he's like, come out for wrestling. We need wrestlers. And I'm like, and after practice, I was like, oh, I see why you need wrestlers. <laughs> this sucks. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Like, I was so tired. Oof, yes. It was, And it doesn't look that bad when you're watching it. No, yeah. So that's why I say wrestling sucks. Yeah. But you're using muscles you didn't even know you had when you're wrestling. You're sore all over. and Right. You're getting muscles tweaked you didn't even think you had. (laughs) No, it's intense. Yeah. All right. One topic I do want to talk about. We are in Butcher Town. Butcher. The Butcher has been here for a very long time. I'm not too familiar with the history. Like, we moved in here in November. I didn't know a whole lot about Butcher Town or Nulu other than there's a lot of development going on. Now that you're down here, every you know couple of days the wind blows in the right direction, and you're like, "Yep, that's Butcher Town." Um, what is your relationship, I guess, with JBS? Doing our research, we kind of saw that you are supportive of the jobs JBS brings to the community. We understand they are a huge employer, 1,200 people. Um, but what do you think they do, or I guess what? Um, is your outlook on JBS? Obviously, if they weren't here, property values would be a little bit higher, I think, personally. But are, do you support them being here? Do you know, like the fact that the butcher is right across from your property? How do right. You- well, it's butcher town. Yeah. It's not rose petal town, <laughs> right? So the butchers have been here since the 1840s. Um, the stockyards was here. Uh, when I bought the building, the stockyards was still here where, uh, home of the innocents is. So it was five times as stinky. And when I, so the thing is I can't afford any of my buildings if it's anywhere else other than butcher town. So if that plant's not there, I can't afford the building. I can't do the development I've done. So it had to be like, there had to be something in there where I could buy the quality of buildings for the price I could so I could put the money into it to fix it up because it really hasn't been a deterrent to successful business here in the city. Like the location and the quality of space outweighs the negatives. Now, people love to talk about how much it stinks or whatever. I mean, I smell money. <laughs> Right. So it's like, um, so as far as JBS goes, 
I have always been a supporter of JBS. Like, they surround me on the north, east, and west. They own property all around me. And if I didn't have a good relationship with them, I couldn't have... Remember how I said I had eight parking spaces? Well, they leased me 65 parking spaces so I could get certificate of occupancies for my tenants. So without their help, the Butchertown market isn't successful. Now, I would not recommend buying a building where you don't have parking, where you can't get COs. (laughs) So I went to JBS and I said here's the deal. I have to have parking from you. It's like this negotiation is I have to have it. So you can really basically say anything you want and I'll have to do it. And I am throwing myself on the mercy of the court and they happen to be a really good company and really nice guys and really good from to me. And so they worked with me with unbelievable terms. Like just, they said, we want to see you successful. We love what you're doing. We want to be a good neighbor. So we're not going to work against you. We're going to work for you. And then, so the fact of the matter is, if they leave, property values go insane, right? They go crazy. It's not they go up a little bit. It's like they have 15 or 16 acres. It can be redeveloped. And it's like the best spot. And, but they absolutely have a right to be there. There's a lot of first wave immigrants that don't speak English that work there, you know, with all these social problems that we've been having. uh, It is a great foothold for these people to get a chance at the American dream. Um, So, um, and it's who and what we are. Uh, and I support them being here as long as they follow the rules and keep doing what they're doing. And there's so many people that want them out um, that um, and are trying to get them out. And I just think it's better to work with than against, as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, and they've improved over the past 20 years. You know, it's gotten... I mean, it used to be, I'm telling you, it used to, like, it's why my building that I bought didn't sell for two years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it stank. <laughs> it, it, it did. And there were pigs running down Story Avenue that were getting out. And wow. we'd be like, run, pig, run. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. It's crazy. I mean, so they've tightened a bunch of stuff up. But, you know, it's a, fa- it's a single line factory. So you got... You know, it's the last remaining slaughterhouse within a mile of the central business district in the United States. Oh, okay. Like, none of those factories are close to the CBD. Yeah. yeah. Except in Louisville. But that's how we do things in Louisville. I was looking at their locations, and I noticed a lot of them were a lot more rural throughout the U.S., but this is definitely their most, uh, I guess, in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's right in the middle of it. We're, we reached out kind of to see if we could collaborate with JBS to help them find a new and better location. Uh, no response. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a multi billion dollar company. Yes. Yeah. Publicly traded. So, yeah. And they're out of Brazil. So, 
and they, you know, they're happy where they are. Yeah. I mean, and they've, you know, it's so, you know, they've put a lot of money in that. Yes. Do you see over the next 20, 30 years, them ever just finding a better business situation you know, where they're out of There's here? a beginning and end for everything. Yep. So, but, you know, I'm not, you know, they're on the soccer kit now, JBSs. Little FC? Yeah. Wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So they're sponsoring, they're on the back of the jerseys, which is a big deal. Yeah. Shoo. What, um, so you grew up playing soccer. Did you have much of a play in the Lynn family stadium? Yeah. So I'll get to, you know, my secret to success in real estate that's guaranteed is have somebody build a $77 million soccer stadium, two blocks from your real estate. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to write that one down. That's it. That was the secret. (laughs) That's beautiful. That will guarantee you success. How'd you make that happen? You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, you know. It was just one of these things where, I mean, there's no other word for it than just blind luck. Yep. There just didn't. I mean, uh, John Hollenbach and the leadership team at Lou City and racing needed to get out of Slugger Field, and there were five pieces of property um, that, you know, they did a study and it was like a perfect location, but you had to get control of five or six different pieces of property from five or six different owners. And they did an amazing job. And if you had one holdout, it would have blew the deal. So kind of miraculous. You know, I think four of the six owners were from Louisville and wanted to see it happen. And again, And then, you know, Barbara Sexton Smith was the uh, person on Metro Council, and she, you know, was really aggressive. You know, that anybody could have been against it is bizarre, but there were people against it. There were just people against it. It's like, it, but there were people vocally against it and stuff, and it just, like, and, you know, I go to every home game, and... um. It is such a great thing for the city. And again, it's such a great family entertainment and we have good teams and it has brought so much to the city and to not have it. it, I mean, we have to have more entertainment options and more, uh, you know, sport, great sporting options. I mean, and it's so hard for us to get stuff done in Louisville. It's like, how can you oppose this? But people opposed it. And so I called up every Metro Council member, and there were some against it. And it's like, it's mind-boggling. It was just mind-boggling. But that's how the system is. Do you think the system in Louisville, I know we're getting close on time, but do you think the system in Louisville is getting better? Well, I have a lot. um, I have a ton of... Like, I'm super bullish and positive on Craig Greenberg. Okay. So, uh, he is the right guy. He uh, has built a team. You know, I'm a moderate. Like, I'm, I think if you're too far left or too far right, you're the same. Yeah. It's all a circle. Right. So, 
I'm moderate. I want to see stuff get done again. You know, I, you know, you know, there's so much bad stuff happening. Like, you know, Craig was shot at in my building, which is just unbelievable and just horrible. And it could have been a tragedy like it was at old national. That could have been our building and stuff. And it just stigmatizes stuff. And it's just a terrible way to live. And it's like, it's a problem that has to be fixed, and I don't exactly know how to fix it, but it has to be fixed. But, you know, I was in the, you know, I was able to hear Governor Bashir call up Craig after the shooting and sort of listen to how they spoke and stuff. And it just gives me just a great amount of respect for both guys mm-hmm. because they're just really the real deal. So, and we're lucky to have them. And so, Hearing somebody, you know, that it wasn't political. It was a friend talking to a friend, and it showed me the character of both of them. And it's, you know, it's the right people, but you never want to see that situation and stuff. And so, uh, I mean, that that's just horrible. But uh, so I, in answer to your question, I think Craig can, he's the real mayor, and I think he can really help. I mean, we got the right team in place, but you know, it's tough to get things done in Louisville right now. Yeah, and it's you know, it's part of the reason again why we're differentiated from our competition is we can get stuff done because we know the system, but the system is not a great system. It's hard to get stuff done. So, do you have any ideas for how a city? could improve like how they incentivize development just in our limited experience we've seen you know shelby county bullet county competing for these companies we're working with to bring their buildings to their counties and they're throwing everything at them yeah i again uh i don't know i mean you got it's would seem to me you know you reward the good developers and try to keep the bad developers out but again, that's sometimes subjective. Um, you know, when we, you know, we've been around long enough and we know, you know, when we go before zoning or, you know, when we go before the architectural review committees and stuff, they'll look at our body of work and say, hey, this is good. And, you know, so they've never gone against me, our companies personally, like they always support us. And I think that just takes time and um, um, and continued effort and, you know, telling people this is what we're going to do and doing it. And, you know, so I don't know how to fix it. I think, you know, part of it is just inherent in that it's bureaucracy and, you know, every city has it. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix my company. <laughs> and, like, and you've been, what do you mean fix your company? What's wrong with your company? There's always issues. You know, the leadership, you know, <laughs> want to review the leadership. <laughs> well, this has been a great conversation. We end every episode with a quick three questions blitz round. First one is if business meetings had walk-up songs. Oh, yeah. What would yours be? Tiger Style by Wu-Tang. That's really? The, that's the okay. third Wu-Tang that we've had from a... We'll put it on the playlist. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Has anybody said Tiger Style? No. Not Tiger Style, no. <laughs> but we've had three Wu-Tang references. That's because Wu-Tang is for the children. Yeah. 
uh, and the then people. the next one is what book has had the biggest impact on you or your professional life? Uh, Team Arrivals. Okay. By Doris Kearns Goodwin. Okay. I'll have to check. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. It's great. It's about Lincoln. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think I've. And it's about how the people running against him, he put in his cabinet. Oh, yes. I've read that story, but in a different book. That is very interesting. He literally took all his enemies and put them in his cabinet. Wild. Um, what is your go-to activity to decompress after a long week? Uh, riding my bike in okay. the park. You a mountain biker or a... It's tr- like a hybrid. Hybrid? Okay. So I'll, I'll commute you know, to work on my bike. That's awesome. I also have an extra bonus round, just a little one that I wanted to ask. So... I come to you and I only have one night in Butchertown and I say, I need somewhere to eat. I need someone to go get dinner. You might be biased here, but where are you sending me? Man, that's like, that's a brutal question. So, I mean, I'm one of the owners of Fabaloo. So Fabaloo. Fantastic, by the way. We yeah. have frequent there. Very good. And then, so, you know, I'll support my tenants. So my tenants are going to come up normally first. And it's like, you know, cultured's a good place. You could dine on cheesecake at Big Nita's Cheesecake. Just make it your entree. Oh, I, I, it looks good. I've only seen it in the window, but it looks good. Do you they're see, only open like two days. Right. They're open like three. Do you see the line? I haven't seen I've the not line. Noticed, no. So I counted 65 people in line the other You're day. You're kidding me. No, it's wild. Wow. So We're going to have to try it. Yeah. That's actually that's a nice business model. Line them all up two days yeah, a week. Yeah, only right? open for six hours and a week. And then people, but. right? <laughs> Great demand. They sell out every time. I love it. Well, this has been great, Andy. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Yeah. I appreciate it, Andy. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. It's Cal here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the How To Business Show. If you would like to stay up to date with upcoming episodes and what we're doing behind the scenes, make sure to follow us on social media. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and our website, www.htbshow.com. Finally, if you have a story to share or some feedback for the show, feel free to contact us at htbs at gillisanteam.com. Important links for today's episode can be found in the description. From all of us on the How To Business team, thank you for listening and see you next time.